Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. President Biden did at a press conference um, say uh, plan to forgive the 10000 is $10,000. If you make under $125,000, he's also extending the repayment pause until January 2023. So December 31st, get your money back to, you know, pay your your debt. And but the NAACP is like, it's not enough. It's not enough. And let me find out if it's enough. Brittany Williams is back. She was here before to talk about this very subject. And she is the senior policy analyst for higher education at the Education Trust. And she's a lead researcher on this very topic. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Hi Karen. Hi, Renee. Thank you for okay. having me back. Yay. Okay. Are you pleased with what the president's administration has done today? We believe it's a start. Um, I believe it's a start. And so um, I do want to say yes, um, the 10K for millions of Americans are going to be some relief, but also if you are eligible for Pell Grants. So your Pell Grant recipients will see 20K in debt relief. How? Oh, wait, wait, explain this, Brittany. Yes. Okay, so, um, and I will direct you back to the White House briefing that was done today um, that may give you a little bit more detail than I can regurgitate right now in all of my excitement. <laughs> um, but, so basically, um, everything you said, so the 10K uh, for borrowers that meet that income criteria of 125K for single um, households or 250 for married households, plus if you were a Pell Grant recipient, and you know that um, information is accessible through the FAFSA, the application that students complete for financial aid. If you were a Pell Grant recipient, um, then you are eligible for the 20K in relief. Can, can I ask you, uh, Brittany, because um, there's this uh, statistic that 45 million Americans carry 1.7 trillion in student loan debt, but that the financial challenges facing Black borrowers are numerous. And, and one of the things that I read was that while $10,000 is a good start, and you even just said it, that it really needs to be more like 50000 in order to achieve some racial parity. Can you explain um, that, go into that a little bit more? Yes, and so um, particularly for um, the Education Trust, so the organization that um, I, I serve um, with, um, we will continue to advocate for um, at least 50K in cancellation. And so we had done quite a bit of research around um, Black borrowers in particular and their experiences with student loan debt. And so um, this research began um, with uh, Dr. Jaleel Bishop and Dr. Jonathan Davis. Um, and from that, we found um, that majority of our borrowers, 80% uh, from that survey that we had conducted actually asked for full forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so um, through our research and um, analysis of the numbers, we at Air Trust came to uh, 50K um, in, in relief. And our partners as well, so partner organizations um, are also advocating around that number. Mm -hmm. I wanna throw a fly in the ointment. Why not? 
uh, we're here. <laughs> Brittany Williams is here. Renee Seiler is here. Black people are disproportionately impacted by student loan debt, uh, despite our small percentage of the population. And it's primarily because black women are the most degree. We, we go for the most degrees, which then incurs the most debt, which also then hampers us from living our best happy lives because the saddling of the student loan debt, um, as Renee was saying about her daughter, doesn't allow us because we're, we're going to be responsible to actually take advantage of all of the things that these degrees have get, given us. So it's almost like a monkey paw. And I feel like you know, a monkey paw being, it's a gift that has a, a curse attached to it. Maybe it's time for us to reexamine what higher education is and how our relationship to it and how we navigate it. Um, and, but it's been the, the drum beat into our young people that that's the pathway to success in America. Got to go to school, got to get a good, you know, get your degree. And so that's kind of, you know, particularly even people who come here as immigrants. Is it time to have a different conversation, Brittany, around what higher education is supposed to be? So this is a loaded question, but I want to unpack a few things really quickly. And so the first thing I will say is that many Americans still see a college degree as a vehicle for economic mobility. And so the conversation around what return on investment um, can be had, and I'll, I'll um, kind of circle back to some of Ed Trust recommendations around what um, the student debt crisis reform may look like and what does Congress maybe need to consider moving forward to um, activate some sustainable change, if I, if I could say that. And so, um, you know, in addition to canceling at least at 50K, I think that we need to look at um, what federal and state partnerships look like for debt-free college. And so um, mm. in addition to that, we need to talk about doubling the Pell Grant. And so- um, ah. I, Oh, so, I, so wait, not, hold on, hold on, Britt. So without, because, you know, people will lose their minds if they, you know, cancel debt just for black people, you know, yeah. even though we, we wait for our reparations, you deserve, we owe, we're owed that, all right? That right. would be part of it. No student debt for anybody who has, anyway. But you're also, there's a way to do it without it being race-centric. Yes. And it will have the same impact. And that requires creativity on the part of our lawmakers who seem to be really dumb. On, this, yeah. on these issues? Well, particularly for the education trust. So we are advocating for, yes, black and brown students particularly, but also students from low wealth backgrounds. And so when we approach the topic of um, reform and change, we are absolutely taking, you know, our low wealth student population into, um, into that thought process. And so that's where, you know, the advocating around doubling the Pell Grant, that's where we get into conversations around, you know, our public institutions having federal and state partnerships that would make college debt free. I, I want to add a little bit really quickly too, while this cancellation is huge, and it, it is not missed upon me that we, we've seen, um, cancellation from different schools that had, you know, frauded their, 
um, had some fraud with their students and borrower defense. So we've seen a lot of cancellation there. We've seen some public service loan forgiveness um, cancellation there, right? So, and we're seeing a fresh start for our defaulted borrowers. So this, this is, you know, a huge population that have been impacted there. A lot of work has been done. We've now added to that table or to that, that our, our plate of things being done, this cancellation, but we can't afford to stop here. There's mm -hmm. much more that we need to do in order to see some real change, you know, systemically in higher education. That seems like it's going to be a tall order because you do see people, you know, the, the perpetually unhappy, um, the grumblers, the, well, I took out a loan and, and I'm still paying for it, or this is teaching irresponsibility, or you took out the loan. So why, you know, why, why am I paying for that? That, that kind of thing. So first of all, I don't really understand that because it feels like this is a move toward the greater good, but you know, all right, so what do we say to those people? You're saying we need to go further, but how do we get those people on board? I think that the um, point or the, the issue to be made there is um, it's a wealth thing. If students had the means and the wealth to go debt-free, I think that they would choose that option to go debt-free. I'm a student loan borrower. And at the time in my undergraduate studies, if I had the wealth <laughs> to go debt free again, like I said earlier, for and I, I will use myself, it was a means for economic mobility. Right. And so if I had if my mother had the means to send me debt free, I'm sure absolutely she would have done it, you know, with bells on, right? And that's just not the case. And so I think that the conversation there truly is around, you know, wealth equity and the ways and means in which people of color and people from low wealth backgrounds come to, you know, pursuing post-secondary degrees. Mm, I feel like so much of that conversation though important is, and there's been a big theme, I think, going through this show about listening and, and being okay with your position and, and really, you know, opening yourself up to other people's um, points of view. It seems like the people that we're talking about are the, you know, I'm going to make a massive generalization, but it's the, well, I did it. So why can't you do it without understanding the intricacies that all go into, into this and, and the racial disparity. They don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. And that's a huge part of this. You, I mean, you, you talk about the wealth disparity, but there is also a racial uh, component here. Absolutely. 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 And I think that, you know, we can't have that student debt conversation without having the, the race conversation and, you know, which absolutely hones in on the work that we've done at the Education Trust around Black borrowers and their experience with um, student debt. And so, you know, while while I don't have all of the answers, and I wish I did, right? <laughs> I don't have all of the answers. I think this is something, this is an, an issue, uh, particularly for us, that we are not just going to say, okay, great, 10K, 20K, 
you know, what's next? We are going to continue to advocate. Our interim uh, CEO, uh, Denise Ford, released a, a, a statement um, today and said, we're going to continue to advocate. We're going to continue to work at this. And, you know, while the, again, while this is a great start, to your point, Renee, conversations still need to be had. And we still want to be a part of those conversations to moving the needle. Brittany, uh, Brittany Williams is here, and I would like you to give us a perspective on what it looks like for black borrowers. Give us the stats, give us the numbers so that people, you know, out there was like, oh, there we go again. Give us the real. For black borrowers particularly, and I I don't have the total of numbers, but I know the numbers from our surveys. And we um, had um, thousands of um, responses to our survey. And the long piece of it, and we just uh, released a mental health brief. So around the, the impact of black borrowers in mental health. Um, today was a, a, a breath of fresh air. I think that um, while many people, uh, particularly low wealth, particularly people of color, have been in this this economic climate, um, struggling to pay rent, you know, struggling to uh, buy necessities, basic needs, grocery, transportation, childcare. We're seeing basic need costs increase at a very fast pace. So I think that to have the relief of you know, as Senator Warren said, millions, tens of millions of people will have some relief. I think this is a breath of fresh air for the, the people that were included in our survey. They will be able to say, well, if, you know, if they don't have the total forgiveness, the ones that will have partial forgiveness, at least this is- I mean, 10,000 is better than nothing. The yeah. last president didn't forgive anything. The president <laughs> before him didn't forgive anything. This president is giving you ten thousand dollars. I don't know, huh? Or twenty if you have a Pell Grant. Thank you. Twenty if you have a Pell. Twenty thousand dollars. I could use that money right now. You know, I don't have any student loan debt, but ten thousand dollars would make a difference. There's definitely bills I would pay off in full. There would definitely there'll be things that would you know to say that's nothing to me is the height of being not just ungrateful but short sighted and just looking for something to bitch about. I think. To say it's nothing. And if you have 175000 because some people do, because they have multiple PhDs and whatever, it feels burdensome. But you eat that elephant one piece at a time. So right. 10000 is going to put a little nibble, a little, yes. Let me let me ask you this, Brittany, before um, we have to wrap. Um, Brittany Williams is the Senior uh, Policy Analyst for Higher Education at the Education Trust. Um, the interest rates, a lot of people are saying if they would just forgive the interest rates, which I think is not unreasonable. I think it's not a, we just had a, a Jewish person on there, There's no interest um, being um, levied against people within the tribe. Do you understand? Why, why aren't we treating Americans the same way as it relates to this federal debt? Uh, could they do that? Is that on the table? I, so the president has not yet, or or the Department of Education has not yet released any um, guidances that would, you know, change interest rates. Um, but it has been in conversations, and so I think that how did we get to the 10K? I think the people's voices were heard, right? And so I think that if we continue to to advocate, I don't know what the plans are, but I know that 
advocacy um, and, and continuing to push and highlight the experiences of borrowers um, can, move, can help move the narrative. And so I think if we continue that, we don't know. We don't know. I think that there has been, as I kind of outlined, a rollout of different things that has been to the benefit of many student loan borrowers. And I do believe that there's still work to be done. And so we don't know. We don't know. We could see, you know, some some reform there with the interest rates as well. So do we just, what do you tell parents? What do you tell kids who are, or young adults who are looking at, at borrowing for their education? What do you t tell parents who are getting ready to put kids through college? I think that for the incoming students to college and parents, I think that they may still look at student loans as a necessary evil. I think that if this student wants to, you know, go into college, I think that the thought process is I'll graduate, I'll get a good job, and I'll be able to pay those student loans back. And I think I would tell them to be quite frank and pulling on my student affairs hat from, you know, my, my life before education trust, I would say not only to continue to look for resources and, and plug into campus spaces that could support you in finding um, scholarships and things of that nature, I would also say, you know, make the best choices for you. At the end of the day, students, parents, they're going to do what's best for them to attain what they feel is necessary, again, for that economic mobility. And when we continue to have conversations around what return on investment means for the individual student, I think that we will continue to find best ways and best practices to get to that degree completion. All right. Well, listen, thank you uh, for doing the work, Brittany, and thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you immensely. Uh, you and you guys uh, can go to BDM Williams on the Twitters and follow Brittany with an I, Brittany <laughs> Williams, uh, Senior Policy Analyst for Higher Education at the Education Trust. Thank you again. Thank for you so back. much. Our pleasure. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.